Lots of trending books to talk about, but unlike most weeks, some of these I don't think you should buy. Let's get into it. Like and subscribe. We've been doing this every single week for over five years right now. Tom, take it away with number 10. Number 10 on the list, Iron Fist number 14. First appearance of Sabretooth, one of Wolverine's biggest foes and one of the best spec options right now from the Bronze Age. We're seeing a 157% increase in copies sold of this book compared to last week with a $600 average sale, but a recent high 9.8 sale of $4,800 back in June on Heritage Auctions. But a 9.6 also went in June on Comic Connect for $963, less than a grand. The heights this book reached at a 9.6 was $2,600. Seeing it under a grand has me feeling the FOMO bug, especially when you look at the 9.8 high sale of $6,000 that was set back in 2021. That is a huge gap for one grade point average. Don't forget that not only is Hugh Jackman going to reprise his role in Deadpool 3. And not only are we getting the classic costumes, and we're probably going to get a reprisal of multiple characters from past movies all integrated into this multiverse movie, probably Sabretooth. I don't think anyone would be surprised about that. But don't forget, there's a Wolverine game coming that's produced by the same people who made the Spider-Man PS4 and PS5 games. Yeah, this Wolverine game was announced all the way back in late 2021. It's going to be made by Insomniac Games, who make the Spider-Man games on the PlayStation, like Tom just mentioned. Those games are freaking awesome. Like, I love Spider-Man games, but I think those are the peak. The the regular Spider-Man and the Miles Morales and Spider-Man 2 that's about to come out later this year. We're seeing a lot of action in Miles and Symbio books, possibly because of that upcoming game. However, if you think about this Wolverine standalone game, the odds of Sabretooth not being featured in that game as a villain somewhere during the run of the game is is pretty low, in my opinion. The book is way too cheap right now to not be watching it very closely. And the best way you can keep track of all Bronze Age, Silver Age, and high sales is downloading the best comic app in existence, Key Collector Comics. Utilize code TOM101. It unlocks a free two-week subscription of the app. You get access to my favorite feature, which is the Key Alerts. You gotta have the full subscription to get that, but whenever there's updates, trailers that drops, um, exclusives at conventions, high sales reporting on big comic auction houses like Comic Connect and Heritage, there's a key alert that goes out. You get notified so that you get this info rapidly so you can make a decision on if you should buy a book at $1,000 or if you should wait. I don't want to wait. I want to move on to number nine on the list. Batman Gargoyle of Gotham, number one. This is an ash can that came out last week post-San Diego Comic-Con. Now, we got this in our lunar shipment this week. FedEx doesn't always deliver to the West Coast as quick as it does on the East Coast, but I was super happy that we did get our one-per-store copy. I'm seeing these sell for $25 average sales and a super high sale on auction of $90 for a raw copy. I'm excited for this book. It's a new DC Black Label book that hits shelves in September. It is going to be written and illustrated by Raphael Grandpa, who I most remember from doing the A covers for Berserker recently. This is going to be a story where Batman just fully gives up on the idea of maintaining both Bruce Wayne and Batman identities and just throws himself into Batman full time. And it's going to be pretty dark. Uh, And there's apparently going to be an all new rogues gallery of villains in this series, too. So I'm excited. I'm also really happy that DC Black Label has given a lot of artists the chance to write uh, comics as well, write and draw them together. Uh, You look back and you see books like Harleen, written and drawn by Stepan Sedgwick, which is maybe my favorite thing Black Label has ever done. Uh, You got Wonder Woman Dead Earth, that was done by Daniel Warren Johnson. Batman One Dark Knight, written and drawn beautifully by Jock. We got Catwoman Lonely City, written and drawn and lettered and colored and literally everything done by Cliff Chang. 
And then we most recently had Batman and Joker Deadly Duo that was done by Mark Silvestri. Black Label means that it's out of continuity, giving the creators creative freedom to do whatever they want. They can go as dark as they want. Describing Batman as a gargoyle has me hyped to no end. You can't really go wrong with Batman, especially when you just like remove the chains and let him go as Dark Knight as the creators want them to go. Number eight on the list, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, brand new this week to coincide with the release of the movie. They handed this out at theaters across the country to moviegoers hitting $10 average sales, $30 for a raw copy, and it came with a poster separate, I believe, from what I can tell. We are consistently seeing movie theaters give away promotional items to tie in with these movies, TMNT, Flash, Batman, Spider-Man, it may behoove you to go early to grab one of these considering how often they make it on the list. Now, I haven't seen this movie yet, but the animation style looks very, very unique. And you can tell they're taking a page out of the Edge of Spider-Verse book by shaking it up a little bit. It's not the necessarily the same animation style you'd expect for TMNT. Another thing that I'm hearing about this movie is they're really making the kids teenagers. You forget that it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because every movie for the last 30 years has been these like grown adult turtles that talk like grown adults. The fact that we have Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg who wrote the script for Superbad making the teens talk like teens actually makes the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sound like teenagers. Gotta give credit where credit's due. Over on Instagram, everyone needs to follow one of the best artists of our generation, Boss Logic. He does this thing where he teams up with big companies like Paramount in this case and does what's called a blackout where he takes his entire Instagram page over the course of a duration of time and fills it with nothing but the IP promotional stuff that he can create with not just his team but artists across the world uplifting independent artists and giving them a spotlight. And in this case, a spotlight of them drawing one of the most classic independent characters of all time, the TMNT. You should be following Boss Logic anyway. He does these blackouts all the time for movies like uh, Flash and Scream in addition to TMNT. And it is cool to see other independent artists getting the boost that Boss Logic can provide, especially when other studios are using AI to create their opening credits sequences, for example. Number seven on the list, Batman Spawn. Number one from 2022, an amazing team up with Greg Capullo and Todd McFarlane. We are seeing $7 average sales and a recent high sale of a 9.8 for only $45. An increase of 210%, all because of post-San Diego Comic-Con buzz. There were so many announcements. We've talked about them to death, but there's like over five different comics coming out. Some really great creative teams that are going to be drawing and writing Spawn, and all the variants all added up to having a really great post-San Diego Comic-Con buzz that's affecting the market literally today. Yeah, there were quite a few different Spawn-related exclusives from San Diego. You got books like uh, King Spawn and The Scorched. They had a couple blank covers that came out for that. There was a Puppeteer Lee Spawn cover, which was really cool. But driving this book back onto the list, we had two separate San Diego exclusive variants for Batman Spawn. One of them was just a regular trade dress cover that's hitting about $40 averages. However, there is a gold foil exclusive as well, which is seeing $100 average sales. Ryan and I had the privilege of hanging out with McFarlane multiple times over the course of San Diego Comic-Con because he joined Whatnot. Now's the time to join Whatnot if you haven't given it a shot because not only can you follow the Todd father, and if you use the link in the description after your first $10 purchase or more, you get a $10 credit and support the show. But I digress. Todd is talking about going into his warehouse to where collectibles, toys, and various spawn memorabilia have laid dormant for years, decades. And 
dealing with his, quote, hoarder problem and bringing it to the mic to do charities, giveaways, and so much more. At San Diego Comic-Con, Todd McFarlane announced he was doing something special, too, with his booth. The Todd McFarlane booth is covered in all sorts of Spawn covers and artwork, uh, even the Batman 423 cover on there. He is actually taking that entire booth himself, by the way, cutting it up into pieces, and he's going to be signing those and doing remarks, I think, even on some of the uh, covers there. And bringing those to whatnot as well. That's actually going to be an event called By the Booth that takes place on August 23rd at 4 p.m. on his whatnot account. So, again, go follow him. And now we got a Squarebound book to talk about at the list at number six, Avengers Annual number 21. This came out in 1992, seeing $20 average sales. Recent 9.8, $130. When we saw Kang the Conqueror last, it was earlier this year. When this book sold in February at a 9.8 for $400, oh, the drops. Now, the all-time high back in February coincided with us seeing Kang and his multiple variants in Ant-Man Quantumania. Now, the fact that we are seeing a new trailer for Loki, season two, and Victor Timely is heavily featured in this trailer. That's why we're seeing a 233% increase in copies sold this week. Seeing Kihai Kwan in the trailer was my favorite part. He's a great actor, so talented, should have been in Indiana Jones. But I want to know from the community, what's your favorite part of the trailer? What are you most excited for? There's a lot of things you can pick out. Multiple comics on this list are spiking because because of this show. Gives me high hopes. So this book is also the first appearance of the Anachronauts, and my favorite thing about Loki is the fact that we have such an anachronism. We end up seeing things that are displaced in time, and even seeing Loki dressed up in his old-timey outfit just gets me excited. The thing I'm most excited about with the Loki trailer also really pisses me off because I had this book. We're at number <laughs> five on the list, timeless number one, specifically the Umberto Ramos Miss Minutes variant. I ordered it, I owned it, and I sold it way too soon. I'm a little bummed out about that. I think this is a great time to buy this book, and it's underrated. It's the first cover appearance of Miss Minutes, and it's hitting $30 average sales, $65 for a CGC 9.8, and the heights that it reached was $270 for a graded copy at 9.8. This is a book that has a voice actor attached to it that uplifts its keyworthiness just because of who voices the character. Tara Strong will be playing the role of Miss Minutes. Again, she did it in the first season of Loki, but she has done so much stuff. She's like one of the most legendary voice actors of our generation, at least. She played Timmy Turner in The Fairly Odd Parents. She was uh, Ben 10 on the Ben 10 cartoon. That was a little after my time, but still, she did Bubbles and the Powerpuff Girls. Dude, she did Dill Pickles, man, you Dill know. Dill Pickles, everyone's favorite, Rugrat. I went by Tommy like growing up. Like, come on. She also did uh, Raven in Teen Titans Go. She played Riku in Final Fantasy X, which I quite appreciate. And she did Harley Quinn in the Batman Arkham games and a whole bunch of other DC animated shows as well. Spiking up the book 200% in copies sold this week over last because we see Miss Minutes in the trailer going full Ghostbusters, scaring a bunch of people and going like giant size. So earlier we talked about Batman Spawn, number one. That's hitting about $7 averages. I don't know if that's necessarily the best book to invest or speculate on, but I definitely don't think this next one is either. Number four on the list, coming out in 1982, Thor 319, hitting $15 average sales, 300 for a CGC 9.8, the first appearance of The Zaniac, who's only appeared in comic books like under five times and seen from leak on set of Loki season two on a poster. This is a guy who does acting in the comic books. He's an actor, and he goes full villain and then sources that role to like become his persona. So at most, this is probably a shout-out. If he's in the show, I think it's unlikely. It's very likely that this could just be a poster featured in the background as somebody walks past it, like the smallest possible Easter egg. Regardless, we're seeing a 500% increase in copies sold because of this Easter egg, and I personally want to tell people, like, pump your brakes, hold on, maybe don't buy this book. Like, it feels... 
like a long shot to me. We chatted about the Muse, the villain in Daredevil that's going to possibly be featured on Disney Plus, who's like super violent and kind of shocking to see that they're going to incorporate him as a villain. But they've done Stranger Things, and Loki kind of has a Stranger Things vibe. But I digress. I don't see them using this character because he is such a dark villain, you know, someone that they'd have to play up in a more comedic role and really abandon any comic lore because he's so villainous and he has a particular demographic he goes after. I don't see them bringing to the screen. Number three on the list, a book that I don't think you should be specking on the first print. Instead, go for the second print, Captain America number seven, $15 average sales and a high 9.6 of the A cover first print for $90. But a second print, 9.8, went for only $100 and actually featured the Daughters of Liberty on the cover. Now, don't get me wrong. I love me some Alex Ross art. You know, that cap is awesome. But the second printing has the Daughters of Liberty on the cover, and that's the significance of this book. It's a key book, first team appearance. And if you had your key alerts on, you would know that there is a Daughters of Liberty being rumored to be in active development. So, yeah, there is a 567% increase in copies sold of this book, and that's a pretty big increase. I'm also bitter because I had this book as well, and I sold this run way too soon, too. It's a really good run by Ta-Nehisi Coates, and Alex Ross did do all of the A covers for this run. However, like Tom mentioned, you should probably go with the second printing for this specific issue because I don't think the spec is really that strong at all for the first print. I don't know if I call this a team necessarily. It's kind of like a loose group of spies, but I can definitely see a lot of these characters being featured together on the screen. You got Echo. You got White Tiger, which we've had a lot of White Tiger spec. Maybe not Jessica Drew, but Sue Storm is on the list. And what did we hear this last week? We have been hearing a lot of casting rumors about Fantastic Four in the last few weeks and months, but this week in particular, we got rumors of Vanessa Kirby from the most recent Mission Impossible film possibly playing Sue Storm as well as Joseph Quinn potentially being cast as Johnny Storm, who we all remember as Eddie from the last season of Stranger Things, the uh, badass guitar player guy. Eddie as Johnny Storm, hot damn comic fam. Hit the like button for that one. And join the mystery mail call. We need your support. This is how you can support what we do. And I want you to get comic books from us every single month. So comictime101.com, $34.99 gets you a box of comics, four to five random books, two of which are guaranteed to be low print store exclusives. And this month, we're packing the box full with some heat. Ben Templesmith on boys number two. First Kamiko, first Frenchie, and first Mother's Milk. There's virgins going out at random. Yeah, that's a Neil Adams homage. And we have ASM 29, a trade dress by Davade Peratore. And that was a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. Also one per box. From one San Diego Comic-Con to another, we have a repeat offender. Number two on the list, Transformers number one, the black and white San Diego Comic-Con ash can. We are seeing $250 average sales and a high sale of $300 and climbing. This was a panel variant, and it's taken off since its release at San Diego Comic-Con. Members were grabbing this for like $100, $130. It is doubled, and we're seeing a 9-8 hit the internet, and I'm expecting we're probably going to be doing some reporting on that sometime soon. I got to know from you, because clearly the buzz is real. This hasn't been a relevant IP in years. Like People could have been buying comic books from IDW, getting their Transformers and G.I. Joe fix for quite some time, but now that Skybound's acquired it, had an amazing San Diego Comic-Con release. We have Daniel Warren Johnson on the art, we have Joshua Williamson doing G.I. Joe. How has been the reception at your local comic shop? In the last decade, over the last decade I've been running a shop, if I had one person getting Transformers regularly, we were lucky. People were not buying the Transformers books. 
All of a sudden, I've got 30 people on Void Rivals, and the buzz about Transformers is absolutely massive. This is a big thing. Hit the like, slap the subscribe button, and the number one trending book of the week is one that's so horrendously down and so underrated and is possibly some of the best Star Wars spec to hit the table in years. Tom's very hot on this book. He's very excited. I don't know if this is necessarily bigger than like the upcoming appearance of Grand Admiral Thrawn in live action, for example, or anything we've seen on Mandalorian in the past couple of years. But we are seeing a 425% increase in copies sold of this book compared to last week because it was announced that the brother duo, uh, Donald and Stephen Glover, are taking over the writing duties for the upcoming Lando series on Disney+. Plus. This book is the first appearance of Lando Calrissian, and don't forget it's the second appearance of Boba Fett in comic books. This is one of those overlooked keys. Now, when we were first talking about this book in early 2021, we saw an all-time high of 12 hundred dollars the fact that this is three hundred dollars for a 9.8 this is super super low for a book that really is a key that not a lot of people are caring about and the team up of donald and stephen glover who did write the show atlanta they have some amazing acting and writing cred i really think we're in for a treat here it could be one of the best star wars things we will have seen on disney plus it was exciting too because donald glover pulled his brother steven to write on atlanta with him and steven has never written anything before atlanta so that was exciting and it turns out that steven glover was also a really good rapper so he is actually the guy who wrote and performed the song paperboy from atlanta so it all it all kind of comes full circle and to see them take on a Star Wars project is extremely exciting. That's why I'm excited about this book. Feeling bullish. I'm looking for a 9.8. If I can get one for four or $500, I'm going to seriously consider it. Just like I'm going to be looking at Ms. Minutes, just like I'm going to be watching Transformers, this right here may be one of the lowest it's ever going to go with the potential biggest upsides. And I want to know your thoughts about that in the comment section below. Hit the like and subscribe, and as always. Keep responsibly. Enough said.